Hey everyone, back once again. It's Scott Withers and Justin Anderson with the year-round disc golf podcast. We are in full tournament season, or what we got of a tournament season this year. I know that we didn't do a podcast last week. Justin coming off a big win at Hyder's, at Dave Hyder's place, the weekend before, and I played a different C tier that same weekend. Also, was able to pick up a win. We actually both played two tournaments that weekend, and then last weekend. Coming off high performances, then we both fell super flat at NUI. So as we get ready for PacWest Classic this weekend, where's your mindset at right now, Justin? I'm basically in a in a reboot mode. I shaved the beard off. I'm probably going to shave the hair off. I'm going to go full baseball player and just get rid of all of the uh, things that I was, you know, all the good juju's that I was riding after the win and start over and try and get a new hitting streak. Um, like you said, we both played two C tiers the weekend before NUI and uh, you got a win and unfortunately got hurt Sunday and I tied for third this Saturday and got a win Sunday and was feeling really good. And I know we talked about how bad we played and I know both of us have high expectations for ourselves, especially at Whistler's where we've played quite a bit you more you more so than I, but still, uh, I guess I'll give you a little picture on how bad I played. Uh, I'm going to call hole one and hole eight at Whistler's about as gimme as you could get. And I birdied both holes, both rounds. So I was four down through one and eight, and I finished four down for the tournament. So I went par <laughs> on every other hole. So just kind of give you just paint the picture for you what Whistler's was like for me last weekend. It was, it was long and hot and I was forcing shots, trying to get birdies and just wasn't working out for me. Yeah. I would say I was in the same boat at Whistler's just got behind the eight ball and started both rounds. Fine. I think both rounds, I was like six down through 11 or 12 and then, which is, it's kind of the scoring section of the course. And then that back 13 or 14 holes just ate me up both days I bogeyed 17 going down the hill both days, which is inexcusable. Bogeyed 16 the second day before that. Bogeyed 19 the first day, which is a pure 400-foot hyzer that I should never mess up and got behind the only tree in the fairway. But I just felt the same way. I was like, got behind the eight ball, started trying to push, and you can't do that at Whistler's. You have to just let what happens come to you. And then we played in the heat for the first time. And I don't know about you, on Sunday, my putters were soft, and I struggled with them. I couldn't get those things online to save my life. So I'm kind of getting ready this weekend with a different set of putters that are a little more stiff, some P-line D2s instead of D-line D2s, just because those glow ones that I was putting with, when it got hot on Sunday, and it was only like 90, it's supposed to be 99 this Sunday, they had no chance. Like I, They were so sticky and soft, I couldn't get them online to save my life, and part of that was probably me, but part of it was how soft the discs were. And I didn't throw the disc well enough either. Way too many missed opportunities. So kind of a frustrating weekend there. So let's let's just stay on the Whistler's topic then. What was your highlight? Like, What was your best shot of the weekend? Do you have a hole that you wish you could go to again? I know you said you struggled and you were even par on basically the rest of the course minus hole one and eight, which are super gimme holes. What was your, what was your best and worst maybe of that weekend being our first really big tournament back in action? 
So my best hole was hole 21, the first round. I put it in the circle and got my birdie. And then the second round, I was close to pin high, but 40 feet to the left in those trees. And I, it was one of those jump putts where I thought I made it, and it kind of like Tony Hawked off the rim out around the back of the basket. So um, definitely one of my favorite holes to play there just because you can grip it and rip it. And it's 515 feet uphill, so it always feels really good when you get the birdie. And then my worst hole of the tournament was hole three. I bogeyed it both rounds. And uh, it was one of those things where first round I – was probably 35 40 feet pin high right and i ran the putt because i just bogeyed hole two and hit the t or the number sign and rolled away and and then the second round i you know clipped one of the trees halfway down the fairway and had just a forehand approach and put it 25 long down the hill and had a you know funky little straddle putt up the hill and missed it so um just one of those things where I first round I went birdie bogey bogey chained out for ace and just kind of like a emotional roller coaster and you know got a couple more birdies uh bogeyed 11 up the hill just caught a bunch of bad breaks early and then you know like you said when it's 90 degrees out and you're mentally frustrated and kind of already exasperated some of your mental energy and next thing you know you have a 28 foot par putt with uh you know your puck your putters were feeling a little weird and i putt with p lines but they're old p lines and you know i could feel the heat taking its toll on my putters and like you said at that point like you know you're not super confident on your release and and then you miss that 28-footer for par. And then I think Whistler's um, kind of likes to salt the wound a little bit. And, you know, maybe your next five putts will be that same 28-footer. And you kind of have to, like, trick yourself into the mindset where, you know, hey, I'm gonna, I can make this putt, even though you might have already missed it three holes in a row. So, you know, Whistler's is – Whistler's is everything we love it for, and it's one of those courses where, you know, a, a good player can play a bad round because, you know, the course isn't super easy. And like you said, there's only two gimme holes out of 27. And if we really wanted to, we could make those holes not gimme holes and make every hole super hard. So uh, Whistler's is great for that, and you kind of saw – you know, I think the winner was, what, second or third card? So it was one of those things where, you know, even though you shot a hot round the first round and you make the lead card, it's one of those courses where, you know, the lead card can get stagnant. And, you know, if you're not making those birdies and there's not live scoring and you can't really pay attention, or there was live scoring, but the service for me was bad, so I couldn't even check scores. But it's just one of those things where someone from the second or third car could get hot with 27 holes and, you know, come back for the win. And we saw that happen. Yeah. And you're referring to a winner, a new winner, I believe a first time PDGA event winner. And I picked a, picked a really big one to do it. Kenny Shelton, 
uh, from North Bend, Oregon. So he's from my neck of the woods down there. He's, uh, I think he's my age, 33 or 34, and has a really super solid game. Doesn't do anything fantastic. He's got a decent forehand, good backhand, really accurate with it. Uh, probably throws it 445, 450, somewhere in there. Like he's got a decent arm, but he's not very well known. A couple years ago, he was playing advanced and then he played all of the southern oregon winter series with us and was playing like some weekends he was playing advanced and pro because we're different days and then he started contending in those and we eventually told him like kenny dude you can't play am anymore like you need to play pro and he came out shot seven under in the first round at whistlers which is a good round for him but not completely unexpected with how he played all winter and then i was in his group on the second card in the last round and it was him and myself and John Katansky and Jared Gogol on the second card. And Kenny started at seven under and just threw every disc right in the middle and then banged every putt, started with the first four, and then all of a sudden, immediately, he's 11 under. And when we finally got lead card scoring, live scoring updated, I think we were on like 11 or 12. Uh, and I looked at it, and I had made a little bit of a charge to get back in it, and I think I was one shot behind Kenny. And then we saw that lead card had had some issues and they weren't scoring great. We're playing hole uh, 15 on the side hill and it's kind of a tricky shot. Like you might have a birdie or two per group, but you're not getting a lot of them. And we all throw it inside the circle and all three guys make putts in front of me. And then I miss like a 13 footer, like just stuck to my hand, hot putter. I had pulled a couple before that, that had went in and I pulled that one. It didn't go in. And the wheels came off for me. And I looked at live scoring again, and I told Kaylee, I was like, that was the tie for the lead for the first time in the event. Like, if I make that putt, it's a whole different story how that thing plays out. I bogeyed the next two holes, actually, after that. And then Kenny got a little clearance from our group, and Jared kind of hung around close to him within one or two, probably two for most of the time, and then three, and then two, and then three, and was kind of going back and forth. But Kenny never let the lead up. And then... We go towards the the 22, 23. I think he birdied 20, um, which is in that like 330 foot kind of hyzer line. And we get to 22, 23, and he hits a putt from down below on the cliff hole. And all of a sudden, we're like, oh, well, you know, Kenny's got the lead by four right now. And he had the lead by four over everybody, including lead card. And he just never let it go. And then lead card kind of, Chris made a couple birdies late to get it back within two. Kenny bogeyed hole 27 which he didn't need to do tried to go for too much on a drive and turned over kind of by the campground um, made himself sweated out a little more than he probably needed to but huge props to him for being as solid as he was i mean he shot seven under 10 under and got to 17 for the weekend conditions were pretty good although the heat definitely played a factor but the wind didn't do too much to it um but i think 17 under would have won the nui every single year except for last year when i was like 23 but i just had that one really good first round it was 14 down so it was cool to see someone that's such a nice guy uh his one of his best buddies came over and caddied for him in the last round and they got to share what i'm sure is some memories that kenny won't forget being his first pdga win and picking it up at such a big spot so i don't have you got to play with him yet I think I've played, played with him a couple, a couple times. times. I, I it's kind of, it's kind of uh, uh, all the tournaments are blurred together, and you know, like you said, you know, when you play the Southern Oregon tournaments, they kind of 
I mean, you just play so many people over the years, and it's I, I'm pretty sure I've played a couple times with him, and I know he's like you said, he's got a. To me, I think if you're throwing 450, you're pumping the disc out there pretty good, and I know. I know the Southern Oregon crowd has a lot of good sleepers in terms of good players. And like I said, I'm not, I've said it before a bunch of times where the Southern Oregon crew plays well at whistlers and, you know, it takes you, you see it, you see a guy come shoot a decent first round and you kind of see the, the lead card start slipping. And it's one of those things where when you force birdies at whistlers it, the wheels can fall off and that kind of happened on the lead card and i know um they didn't really have the performance that they wanted and maybe there was some weird vibes going on with the card i know how that can be too and uh if the card's not magellan and playing bad whistlers is the perfect setting for somebody just to swoop in and take the win and and it's kind of one of those things where Maybe if you would have made that putt on 13 or not 13, 15. Yeah. Right. Or probably 13 also. <laughs> right. Probably would have, if you would have made a couple of spots, but like something about you being tied for the lead going into that stretch of holes would make definitely a difference in his uh, mental space. But, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, we're playing with round objects and they take funny kicks and, do funny things and roll away and um you know golf is a beautiful game and sometimes it's just not your weekend you kind of have to like tip your cap and you know move on because we have another one this weekend and i feel like the open field at at wheatland is going to be very competitive so it's kind of you got to forget about how you played the weekend before and just start thinking about the next weekend and all the holes you're that you're going to have to attack so before we get into uh, this upcoming weekend, because I know we're both looking forward to that, um, you we referenced right at the start that we played tournaments two weeks ago. One was Race for the Cup at Bryant, which is my home course. I feel like I should always go out there and put numbers up that are good enough to win. I think I ended up kind of running away with that one, winning by seven or eight. Um, and you took third in that, so a decent to good showing. C-tier, smaller event. And then we went to Hyder's the next day, and you said I, I had to drop out for the first time uh, ever, first time in sanction or non-sanctioned event. I had a bunch of flare-ups going kind of in my elbow and shoulder, and they were both hurting really bad. And that's a course that you have to throw forehand on all the time. And I just couldn't do it. I was standing there with like my third-to-last hole or fourth-to-last hole, third-to-last hole maybe, and... I'm trying to throw like the standstill forehand from the woods and I couldn't even convince myself to throw the shot because I knew how it was going to feel. Um, it's, you know, I, we all deal with arm fatigue at times, but I had played uh, softball Wednesday the week before I'd played Bryant Thursday and Friday and two at Bryant on Saturday. And I think I just wore my arm out and I was standing there and it was truly painful to throw every shot. And that was the first time that I've withdrawn from a tournament and Honestly, if it had been like a national tournament or a major, I probably would have tried to push through it and probably would have just been awful as a result. But being where it was and knowing the fact that you have to throw forehand on like 12 or 13 holes at Dave's and then every single time that you get in trouble, it was just the right move was to be as healthy as I could for NUI. And I wasn't going to be competitive that day. It was hurting too bad. 
I was never, everything that I was doing was altered because of the way it was feeling. And then I go into NUI and kind of dealt with another little nagging injury, which is just tightness in my lower back, which is something with my sciatic that I've dealt with before. Taking care of yourself is a big part of that. I mean, I guess I didn't get to stay around and I should have. I, I knew it was going to be an interesting one for your second round at Dave's. Um, and we didn't play together in the first round. So can you talk about, I guess, talk about your win at Dave's and how you were able to pull that one out? I know you went into a playoff with Eric, but uh, it sounded like good golf, maybe not great golf to win it. But sometimes out there, it's just a matter of survival. Yeah, Dave's is definitely one of those courses where, you know, you can obviously shoot better than a five down, but, you know, like I said before, you're playing with a round object and a lot of hills and a lot of crazy sticks and trees and stuff to happen in between you and the basket. And and like you said, if you're ever off the fairway at Dave's, I feel like I'm always throwing a forehand from the knee and and even after my second round, I I was definitely scrambling. I was making omelets all second round and just scrambling eggs. And I felt I could feel it in my shoulder. But it's one of those things where I always talk about pitch counts. And I know it's a baseball thing, but, you know, limit your throws. Just I know you get excited to play a tournament your home course or, you know, like you said, slow pitch softball. It all leads into fatigue. And but at Dave's. The fatigue was real, and Bryant is a long course, and and luckily for me, Bryant isn't a lot of max max effort throws, and I was able to kind of play the Saturday and and still feel fresh Sunday, and I, you know, started off pretty hot the first round and kind of went flat. I had a double bogey and a bogey in the first round and finished seven down, so I had ten birdies, which is a pretty good round at Dave's. And then, uh, you know, going into the second round, I didn't really know what the scores were going to be like. And um, I heard, you know, you came and said you weren't feeling yourself. And it's, you know, maybe something in my mental space where you weren't there to compete the second round. And, you know, Sean is Sean's always really good at Dave's and he's the person to beat. So I knew. I knew if I could beat him and Lewis on my card, it was basically a, a three-person race. And um, there was life scoring, so I was able to follow up with the whole field except for the second card. And it was one of those co- rounds where, you know, I started off four for four with birdies, and then I get the whole five and uh, just kind of shank it's really easy to take a hard kick right and be in a bad spot, but um, you know I don't want to be a complete spoiler just because I know Colin is Colin filmed it and I'll be able to relive it and watch it, which is I think is kind of a cool treat. But Dave's is a battle, and I've played a lot of rounds with Sean now out at Dave's, and you know it's always funny because. When one of us makes a mistake, we always make that sound of a, a creaking door opening. And uh, and it being a sanctioned tournament, we didn't really do that to ourselves, to each other. But, like, you know, hole three, we were both putting within the circle for birdie. And he misses left. And, and I 
and I make my birdie and I'm sitting myself thinking like, oh, there's the door opening, right? And then we both birdie four and then we get the five and I shank it and he birdies it with a buzz, which is super impressive. But then, you know, at that moment, I knew I could already see Sean making that sound of the door opening, just like a window of opportunity, two strokes swing in his way. And it just kind of went back and forth like that the whole time. And, and I think going into hole 15, we were either tied or um, I might've been up one, but he threw out of bounds and I got a birdie and just that whole back and forth cat and mouse game. It was a lot of fun. And, and I remember getting to 18, I had the lead by one over Sean and Sean had the box because he just birdied 17 and I missed my birdie putt and Sean parks it. Right. And if you've ever played hole 18 of Dave's, it's kind of like, Oh, I think like hole eight at pier. That's what I think of it. Just a shorter version where you kind of have to force a shot through a gap and hopefully you don't hit one of the big trees and, you know, so I I threw a good shot, parked it, and I remember sitting there waiting for everybody to tap, and they looked at me, and I'm like, oh, this is for the win, so just let me tap out, and I, I tapped out, and I remember just thinking to myself, like, oh, sweet, I just got a win, and then I walk over to, you know, the Tournament Central, and I check live scoring, and Eric Henderson had just tied it for the lead, by hitting like a 55 foot birdie putt on hole one and hole two is a really good forehand hole. And he had a shot to win it from like 40 feet past the basket. So it was a really weird feeling because, you know, normally when you think you win and you're locked in on the scores and, you know, I thought I had the win locked up and then in my, I kind of had to switch gears and be like, okay, well I didn't win. And now I have to, do a playoff and I just remember thinking like I can't I, I don't want to go to hole two or hole three with Eric in this playoff like because he's too good of a forehand player so I I threw what I thought was a really good drive on one ended up being a bad but he goes forehand roller on hole one at Dave's for his drive think about that it's like crazy and I was thinking to myself like he was lining up this fort. He went first in the playoff because he had the hot round, right? So I'm sitting there watching him line up his forehand, and I'm like, oh, there's no way he's going to throw a forehand. I was waiting for him to turn around and throw a backhand. And he went forehand roller, and after he threw it, I'm like, did you birdie hole one just a couple minutes ago with a forehand roller? And he's like, yeah, I birdied it with a forehand roller with like a 60-foot birdie putt. And I'm thinking to myself like, man. That's definitely a, a crazy story, but um, we ended up going two holes. Funny story, he had his tent set off to the side of hole two's fairway, and he took a tree kick hard, and it happened to slide underneath his tent. So no. he had to throw the second shot from behind the tent, which was in a really tough spot, and I had a 40-foot birdie putt where I just laid up and tapped it in. But it was just one of those things where, um, you know, major roller coaster, a lot of emotions, just like up and down, just Dave's like, you know, birdie, bogey, double bogey, birdie, miss birdie putts. But uh, Dave's is a cool place. And 
you know, it's kind of annoying to me that we played Bryant and Dave's in back-to-back weekend or back-to-back days. And I personally think that Bryant and Dave's are harder than Whistler's, except for a couple holes. But I just it just bugs me that I go to Whistler's and then, you know, play sub, well, you know, subpar golf to my standards when I had just put on two pretty good performances the weekend before. So um, golf is a fickle game, and I think that's why we all love it. It's kind of, you know, not only you conquering the course, but you're conquering your mind and just your doubts of your own personal abilities. But definitely a cool story, and I can't wait to watch the video. And you, you know, you talk about conquering the little things in your mind and we both come from you more than I but I I guess I probably play more ball now we come from baseball and softball backgrounds where it's all the little little things you reference like oh shave the beard off oh shave the head you do whatever you have to do to get out of that slump and I I with you on that I feel it all the time Um, it always feels like there's just one little thing you have to do that's not your fault and doesn't have anything to do with how you're going to perform but you got to blame it on something. So the haircut and the shave, you know, it's needed. I did it last weekend. It didn't work out for me. So I probably shouldn't have shaved, shaved my face before. Anyway, let's blame, blame the bad play on that. But as we move into next weekend, you talked about, we played those three courses that are all super hard, super technical. And then we go into Willamette mission state park or Wheatland disc golf course this weekend for the pack West classic. And now it's only a two round tournament because of some of the COVID regulations and some of the things going on, which we're seeing so many tournaments that are just one round a day of tee times. This course is a sprint, and you know it's a sprint. And you know very well that whoever wins this tournament is going to be... We get these two added holes. How do you change the mindset from let's grind out every hard hole that comes at Whistler's, every hard hole that comes at Dave's, or I can bogey any hole at those three courses to going to Willamette Mission State Park, playing the Wheatland course, which is honestly, for pros, a complete birdie fest. And if you're not getting birdie after birdie after birdie, you're gone and you don't have a chance. Now, it does hurt some AM players. And if you don't have a big arm, then it can be a little tougher of a course. But we all throw the disc far enough, especially at that top of the pro level, where all you're thinking about on every single hole out at um, at Wheatland is making birdies. So how do you change the mindset and go from maybe a little more timid and lay up because you know you can get in trouble to let we're full send and everything at Wheatland because if you don't you're gonna find yourself on third or fourth card. You definitely have to change up that mindset where you know I I think I'm full send almost all the time. I know I laid up a couple times last weekend just because Whistler's can get you into a lot of trouble if you don't lay up when you're out of position. But, you know, um, Brian, I think Bryant's the same way, just full send, go, go, go. I play Dave's the same way. Uh, Wheatland, I've, I want to say I've birdied every hole, but I can't say I actually haven't birdied 16 yet. But nobody ever birdies 16 unless you throw it in. So it's kind of, I feel like I have the same, uh, you know, same opportunity as, you know, there's a bunch of players in this field where we can birdie every single hole. And, you know, you and I have played a couple of casual rounds out there where 
you know, one day we were both nine down, just having a good time, casual. And one day you were 12 down with a couple crazy throw-ins through the branches. And I think with these couple extra added holes, it's not too out of the picture to think someone is 24, 25 under par. And I know, I know I'm playing with Taryn the first round and I kind of messaged Taryn thinking like, Hey, uh, you know, did you pick this card for us? Cause this is going to be a good time. And he's like, no, but I'm happy I'm on the card with you. Cause if I beat you, it's going to look even more impressive. And I'm just thinking to myself like you booger. I'm, I want to beat you. Cause this is like, I feel like this is his home course. Like I don't, I don't really think of any other player, I guess maybe Eric Hayworth or something where they're at Wheatland all the time practicing and, you know, Terrence telling me that he's throwing long OB on 18 with a Thunderbird and, you know, he's figuring out all these holes and it's like you said, it's just a rat race and it's like a rat race with a bunch of blackberries and poison oak and you can definitely get yourself into some trouble, but you could also have those bogey free 12, 13 down rounds out there and it's... um. I'm ready for it. I think I prepare mentally well for a tournament, even though I won't play any practice rounds. I, I basically have the whole course mapped out with every disc I'm going to throw before I even go to the course. And, and I kind of know exactly what I'm going to do in every situation before I even get out of the car. So it's one of those things where as long as I make my putts, um, you know, I'm trying to stay positive with my putting, even though I'm kind of going through a, a recreation or, you know, I'm changing up a bunch of things in my putt. So it's been it's been up and it's been down and I want to stay positive, but I'm looking forward to this weekend. It's going to be a battle and I'm hoping I can get Taryn this first round and kind of throw it back at him. It's going to be hot this weekend. Saturday looked like low 80s, which is perfect for this time of year. But Sunday, when I checked today, it said a high of 99. So lots of water. I know that I will be better equipped to go out there. I'm trying to figure out ways to attach, like, maybe a little cooler or something onto my cart and use it. Maybe I'll bring out, like, the click gear cart instead of the Zuka to put my pound bag on. Um, but you got to carry a lot of water. I, the, the plus side is the rounds are only going to take two and a half hours and not four and a half hours. So that'll be a nice change as opposed to Whistler's. But yeah, definitely I, I'm like brainstorming ideas on how to make sure that um, I can keep myself and my equipment from being super soft and everything. But you mentioned it. You know what shots you're throwing and what discs you're throwing at Wheatland before you go out there. And that's is one of the courses that you can do that at whistlers and some of the other harder ones that we play it's a lot of based on how you're feeling that day but i feel like wheatland is go through the motions you know what to do you played the course plenty of times and go attack it that way so um discraft great lakes open this weekend um paul ricky brody calvin featured card if i'm right in the first round so we'll get to see some coverage of that looks like Brody's been still putting in the work and trying to get better. And we all know that he is great for the game. And Paul is just better than everybody else at this point, And his rating continues to go up. Uh, Rick picked up a win last weekend at the silver cup, whatever that was. Um, and then Calvin obviously 
picked up a win two weeks ago um, at the preserve when they got back. No, Nico won the preserve. Calvin was in it. But um, you got four or three of the best players or maybe the three best players in the world right now and then um, the most famous disc golfer, honestly, with Brody, even though he's not famous for being a disc golfer. But you have predictions for that? That's a course I want to get out to, and I'm really bummed that uh, I think it was kind of in my plans to try to go to this year, but when everything else fell through, I'm not allowed to get on an aeroplane or I have to quarantine for two weeks, so... That's obviously not an option, but what's your prediction for this weekend? Um, I love that course. I don't know. On video, at least. What do you think? I think it's going to be three of the guys on the feature card are going to be on the lead card all weekend. I think uh, the way Calvin throws those kind of low, penetrating, flat Anheuser fairway, high-speed driver shots, it's going to work really well there. And obviously, Paul, who had the 18 down there uh, last year so or two years ago. So you just kind of those things where the, the course is definitely challenging, but you see the top players play it really well. And there's a lot of multi-angle shots out there where I feel like there's going to be a lot of pros that are just going to feast on it. I know. Like you said, that feature card is is, is going to be really popular. It might be one of the most viewed first round tournaments of a of any kind of disc golf pro tour event, just with the firepower and then adding Brody and his fan fan base. But there is also another card that has Eagle and Adam Hamas on it and Reed Fiscara and I can't remember the fourth, but there's going to be quite a few next day coverage. Uh, you know, GK Pro is doing next day. I think Par Saves is going to be out there. Um, Joe Mez, obviously. So there's going to be a lot of good coverage to watch. And uh, definitely a course that looks like fun. I know we were complaining about how hot it was at Whistler's. And I think it's probably as warm or warmer there. And also the humidity. So it's kind of a course where, you know, if you don't have any kind of chalk or um, you see a lot of guys start using rock climbing chalk because it's more extreme than your birdie bag or your or your whale sack so just kind of battling the elements and just birdies after birdies after birdies and bombs at that course so I would like to play it one day but we'll see what happens with the future disc golf pro tour schedule and how everything works out yeah maybe that's one we'll have to pair up and go to um next year or something but uh you have anything else you want to touch on real quick before we get out of here for the evening no that's that's basically everything we kind of uh touched about you know all the ups and downs of playing our tournaments last couple weeks uh it's kind of late thursday night so i'm sure i'm gonna get ready to go to bed soon after we get off of here because i have to work tomorrow morning but yeah, I'm looking forward to this weekend, and I hopefully we have a good story to tell for next week's podcast. For sure, I'm sure we can both play well, hopefully, this weekend and battle on that lead card and have something to go over. But um, until then, thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll catch you guys next week.